Wongu from the 2 to the 5 to the 10 to the 15 to the 20. Angles to the right to the 30. Now he outsprints Tucker and Kene Wongu is gone! What's going on? Oh, happy Friday and welcome to Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network alongside Tatum Everett as always. Producer Jay Nelson and our special guest of the night, Mr. Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider. And guys, we are two days away from the final game of the Vikings two game road stretch this time against the L.A. Chargers. We got a three and five Vikings team playing a five and three Southern California L.A. Chargers team. And the kickoff is set for three twenty five central time. But how are you guys feeling right now? Uh, I'm feeling excited to go out where it's 90 degrees yeah. and uh, I'm going out a little early on Just Friday. Just in time for Just, the snow, huh? Yeah, Stowing back here. So I'm going to maybe take a little trip to the beach before <laughs> Very nice. go to this game. I'm also interested to see the stadium. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it, it looks awesome. It, it, it looks insane uh, and gigantic. And the last time uh, we were out covering the Vikings in LA, we were in a soccer stadium that only held 20,000 people. That's right. And the entire thing was purple. So I think it'll just be interesting to see like what the crowd is because it's an exciting Los Angeles Chargers team. So have they embraced that team or are they selling all their tickets to the Vikings fans trying to escape the snow and traveling out to LA (laughs) and, and Vikings fans travel really well anyway. Um, even in Cincinnati, which was less exciting yeah. than Los Angeles, but there were a lot of Vikings fans there. So I would expect that probably half the stadium ends up being purple. Um, the game, like I said, it's at 325. You can listen to that right here on the Vikings Radio Network, KFAN 100.3 with Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, Greg Coleman, and Pete Bursich. We haven't talked to you in, in quite some time, so I'm, I'm glad to have you on. How are you feeling about this 3-5 and five Vikings team? I mean, I think that this is maybe one of the if not the most rocky season that I've covered. I mean, 2016 had a 5-0 and start and then a collapse from there to miss the playoffs. Uh, but And it had some close games mixed in. Uh, I don't know of any other football season that I've covered that has had this many games come down to the, to the final moments. Um, but ultimately, when you come up short in those moments and you put yourself at 3-5 and five and you're looking at 10th place and having to fight your way all the way back up to get in the playoff race and to get, I mean, even to fight for a, a higher seed at this point, you're kind of looking at, can you get to the seven seed and fight with all these other teams who have kind of their own problems? Uh, and then, you know, you knew that if something went wrong, if there were distractions, if there were injuries, it was going to just be harder because you didn't come through in those big games. And so now Mike Zimmer yesterday was basically pleading with his team Keep fighting, like mm-hmm. keep fighting. This team fights, keep fighting. And that's what they're going to have to do against some pretty tough opponents these next two weeks. If you split them and then you look at the rest of the NFC, then all of a sudden it looks not as hard. You've got Detroit, yeah. San Francisco, Chicago, and you have some more winnable games. But I feel like the position that they've put themselves in is that these next two weeks really determine where this team is able to go. That is definitely the maddening, I think, is the word we've been using all week about this season. It just doesn't make a lot of sense if you'd written it up and put a math formula or put in your calculator. I mean, there are so many stats and situations that have kind of defied the odds this year. I mean, Mike Zimmer came out and said multiple times, I feel like our team is good. We just got some bad breaks. And it's just the reality of the NFL that if you get those bad breaks, 
you can't get any more bad breaks the rest of the way. They have oh, to but even you out. Can. But you can. And the Vikings <laughs> always four. prove that bad breaks are around the corner. Um, but if you're going to be a playoff team and be a contender, then things have to start swinging back the other way for you. And to some extent, they did. I mean, against Detroit and Carolina, they come up with a 54-yard field goal. And then against Carolina, they win the coin toss in overtime mm-hmm. and go down and win the game. So it's not that this season and, – and offensively, they've been healthy almost across the board. So it's not like this has been a complete season where you would say – everything has gone wrong, that they couldn't have possibly overcome it. It's just that certain moments have defined it, allowing Cooper Rush to go down the field. Um, You know, even last week, getting that incredible interception by Anthony Barr Mm -hmm. and then not being able to take advantage of that in overtime. And then if you give Lamar Jackson that many chances. So in one way, it's, yeah, you've gotten some bad breaks. But in another way, it's you haven't come through when you needed it. And from a coaching perspective or player perspective, it's hard to tell them what they should be doing in those moments. Like you can't say, well, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? It's just that the reality is when you have 16 games, think about if it was like the NBA and they, if they only played 16 games, a lot of final shots would determine, you know, where you ended up in the playoffs. It comes down to you can't have any more of those or you're going to end up missing the playoffs. I personally don't know the identity of this team. Do you have a definition of what this team is? Because we know we like to run the ball, but we're not running the ball as effectively as we have in the past. Um I, I'm I'm looking at you for answers on this. If I'm not mistaken, literally every game starts mm-hmm. out with the Vikings touchdown on their first drive. And yet then it becomes very rocky from there where you have long stretches, three, four drives where it's just punt, 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 or, you know, they start to make some progress and maybe end with a field goal. And I think it really does stem from the running game because the uh, really the focus of a Kubiak offense is if you can run the ball and then give run looks to opposing defenses and run play action off of it. I mean, Mike Zimmer has talked about this, how hard that is on defenses when you're forced to pay so much attention to the run. And it's happened in spurts, like the second half Carolina. You could see it like Delvin Cook got a couple of big runs. And then all of a sudden those play actions started to open up and work great for them. But that hasn't really been consistent. And I wonder about some of the changes on the offense offensive line. Um, The offensive line got criticized a lot last year for its pass blocking, and Mm -hmm. I thought that was fair, but they were actually good run blocking offensive line. This year, I don't think that they've been a a great run blocking offensive line. Uh, Delvin Cook has also played through injuries Mm -hmm. at times where maybe the same burst isn't there. Um, Alexander Madison is not the guy who gets the 60-yard run all the time. I think the consistency in the running game was really like emblematic of last week. They get a 66-yard run, and yet I think the rest of the runs average something like one and a half yards. Yeah. And if you don't have to pay too much attention to that, or if you can stop that with your front four, usually that's going to take apart a lot of the fundamental things that this offense wants to do. And so that has resulted in them having to sh- throw a lot of short passes to sort of supplement uh, the shortcomings in the running game. And you end up in a lot of third and longs. I, I think yeah. going into last week, they were number one in the NFL in third downs with more than seven yards to go. Jeez. They're not really built to play that. No run first team is ever built to play that way. So at some point, does the identity change? Are we, is it, is it fitting a square peg in a round hole? This team has sort of tried multiple different identities mm-hmm. under with Kirk Cousins and, and Mike Zimmer, where in 2018, they wanted to spread it out and they wanted to have Kirk Cousins be Peyton Manning back there and sort of direct all the traffic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) but that was really the offense. It was, he was going to stand in the shotgun and he was going to make a lot of changes and adjustments and everything else. And then, 
Mike Zimmer said, okay, that's not really a great fit for Kirk Cousins. And I think he was right and proved to be right in 2019 and 20 with Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak. Um, It's hard Mm -hmm. to be halfway through the season and go, hey, maybe we should go back to that other thing, right? And then it feels like kind of chasing your tail of, well, if if you change who you are now, then how is everyone going to master that? Right. Um, in the middle of the season, I think that's really difficult to do. Um, at the same time, the one thing that they might have going for them in the second half of the year is Clint Kubiak having experience now. And I know he's been at the center of a lot of criticism and I, and I think some of it is fair, um, but he is a first time play caller. And I think that the nuances of calling a Kubiak offense, it's not just like us three could do it. I mean, I think there's Gary Kubiak. Somebody told me this. I think it was Steve Berline about Gary Kubiak, that he was masterful at looking at the defense and how they reacted to certain plays and putting it in his memory bank. And then later on in a game, dialing up something that looks similar, that was different and then getting explosive plays through it. So there's a lot of nuances and details that go into being a great Kubiak offense play caller that I think Clint Kubiak is just having to learn on the job. And he was put in a position to do it on a team that was expected to win and had a lot of pressure on a lot of people. I think that's a difficult spot to be in. Yeah, I actually be interested to see what Gary Kubiak's offense, like when he was a first year offensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. to kind of see what his style was like, Mm -hmm. what his stats were like for the offense that he he was under. Yeah, Yeah. because I mean, if you if you kind of looked at that and comparatively went over it, maybe you see some similar. You know, because, I mean, obviously Rome sometimes wasn't built in a day. (laughs) Right, right. Well, and you think about, I mean, the last two play callers, Gary Kubiak plays in the NFL for a long time as a backup quarterback. And we know backup quarterbacks become coaches because they've, they're they're always doing that work even before they get there. So he had tons of experience before that. And look at Kevin Stefanski's path, too. I mean, he goes from the lowest of the low to... to, you know, Brad Childress and Pat Shermer, who he learned a ton from Pat Shermer in 2017, to then being mentored for an entire year on this offense by Gary Kubiak, who was standing right there uh, next to him to help him run that offense in 2019. And that's not something that Clint Kubiak has had the benefit of. And I mean, look, they're three and five and the offense has to be better. So it's not to give an excuse, but I think more of an explanation Mm -hmm. to say that this could be part of the reason why it feels like Clint Kubiak has maybe not mastered this yet. And the other thing, too, is that we're all pulling him in a lot of different directions. The receivers want the ball. Zimmer wants Hmm. to run. And we in the media are saying, why are you guys getting it wrong? (laughs) And and so there's a lot of pressure that goes on to an offensive play caller. Well, one thing Zimmer wants to do is win. And speaking of winning, he's got a formula for how the Vikings can get a win on Sunday against the L.A. Chargers. Chargers are a really good football team with an excellent young quarterback, really good receivers. Running backs really good. Um, you know, defensively, they give you a lot of uh, different looks. Bosa obviously is a handful, so we're going to have to do a great job with him, and, uh, and we're looking forward to the challenge. If they get Asante Samuel Jr. back, what, what does he add to them? Yeah, he usually plays in the, on the field to the field side, and um, yeah, he's a, he's a good young player. What do you see just in general from their secondary? What, what, why has it been so hard to throw on them? So they get a lot of five man rushes, so you know they're going to they're going to continually. Um, do that. They do a good job disguising with the back end, with the two safeties. They do a good job disguising. They got a lot of uh, zone pressure and then mixed man pressure in there. But um, you know, they're, they're, the five guys they they rush with are pretty disruptive. Do you th- see anything that distinguishes a Brandon Staley offense? Yeah, I mean, they, they went for it on twenty times on fourth down, fourth and seven on the forty yard line, uh, on their own sixteen yard line, on their own twenty yard line. 
Um, you know, we've done it several times, so we, they're going to go for it on fourth down. How does that change? Because you dealt with that last week, too, with a team that really doesn't mind going on for us. So you're so conditioned all three and punt. Yeah, well, we have to look at it like if it's third and long, you know, we, we have to cut the yardage down by about four yards. You know, so if it's third and 13, we're playing third and nine. If, an, if another team is aggressive on fourth down, does that change your aggressive approach at all or no? Um, each part's a little bit different. Um, you know, you, you tend you tend to understand that they're probably going to go for it. Um, so you you're you know anticipate that they they have four downs to try to get the first down. But you know it's I think uh, against Philly they didn't punt at all, and then um, <clears throat> you know I've only punted twenty five times or something like that. With Willikis going on the COVID list, do you anticipate any more? Uh, you had mentioned the 29 people getting retested as close contacts. Or is there any more added to that group after this Willikis um, addition? I believe so. I mean, I think it was some of them are out of it now of the 29, and then but some some more added on because of <clears throat> close contacts. That could go up right up to Sunday. Um, does that affect their travel at all? Can they still travel with the team? Yeah, they, they can still travel. Okay. Until test positive. Say Bradbury was one test away. Would you play him on Sunday? He has to have two. And yeah, but if he, he has one, and yeah, he's not going to make it. Okay, he's not. He Do won't you, make any he, of those guys. Uh, no, okay. we won't get any of those guys. Um, is, is there an update? How's the hospitalized player doing? Is there an update on that? Uh, better. Better. Is he still hospitalized? He was as of last night. I haven't heard today, but yeah, he's doing a lot better. Well, that's head coach Mike Zimmer. We'll be right back with Purple Insiders Matthew Collar right after the break. Hey, Vikings fans, this football season, make Pepsi your go-to game day drink because it's the only drink for football watching. Pepsi, that's what I like. Vikings fans, returning to cold with Tide, washing in cold saves you money on energy bills. And if it works on FO stains, it can work for yours. Skull Tide, Skull Vikings, Skull Cold. All right, welcome back to Vikings Vantage, presented by Pepsi. Gabe Henderson here alongside Tatum Everett and Matthew Collar. And Collar, everyone right now, pull out your flip phone and follow Matthew Collar on uh, Twitter at Matthew Collar. And I know you're. Can probably... you get Twitter on a flip phone? So you know, flip phones are coming back. So like you oh, got the you know, Samsung. I did, you know, I did see that commercial, yeah, which is like it's so crazy to think that the old school is new school again. So like the, I think it's like the Samsung it, Galaxy Fold. But fashion always does it. So, yeah, like baggy you know, jeans are coming back. Coming it's, back. it's crazy. But I got to talk about your tweet the other day. Um, I got it right here. You said <laughs> it was actually hilarious. To me. I was going to say this, this is, is going to be a good one when Gabe right. starts to laugh before he talks. When someone <laughs> says I have to talk about your tweet, sometimes that's not a good. <laughs> not thing. a good thing. This, this, is, this is a good thing. You said it's crazy how there is like four people in the universe at any given time mm. who can effectively play NFL quarterback. I thought that was hilarious, but so true at the same time. Yeah, no, you're right. And and this is another one of the sort of Kirk Cousins conundrums uh -huh. is that you always feel like it can be frustrating at times to watch him. And then it can also be incredible at times yeah. to watch him and the throws that he's able to make. And especially, I mean, this is why the last two years of offense, I think fit well for him because especially down the field and there's a lot of frustration from fans and receivers, mm -hmm. I think, of not being able to push the ball down the field. I don't have all the answers for how, but I know that it needs to happen because you have one of the 14 guys who can do it. And when you watch some other guys try to play quarterback around the NFL, you go, oh, OK, well, Kirk does have a very special ability of throwing the football. But if you're only throwing tight end screens yeah. and short passes, 
that you know probably isn't maximizing everything he can do with the ball. Not to mention the fact that he has not been turnover prone. I think after, especially last week, you see, like you said, some of these quarterbacks you watch and, I mean, just for instance, Sam Darnold with three interceptions, mm-hmm. you see something like that and you don't see that happening to Kirk. Mm-hmm. Albeit he's not, you know, throwing like rockets down the field, but he's avoiding turning over the ball, which obviously when these close games is so big. But I, I do think with that, you you look at it and say, well, you want to take some shots and taking shots, you're going to take risk with throwing interceptions. And I think that's where the fan base is like, I would much rather have Kirk throw some interceptions and take some shots down the field versus kind of play a conservative and take some checkdowns. Like at the end of the season, the, the stat sheet is going to look great, but uh, what the coaches look at is like, how many explosives did we get? And if the explosives don't add up, it's like, all right, well, did we really do what we went out to set out to do? So Kyler, my bad. Have you guys ever stayed in a hotel where you couldn't get the temperature right? I mean, Every that's, week. <laughs> that's sort of how it feels, right? Where it's like, why does 72 feel blazing hot, but 71 is ice cold? And that's sort of how this is, because when they were throwing the ball down the field the last two years, they still had a kryptonite, which was the sacks. And he had one of the highest sack rates in the NFL last year, which sort of goes along with holding the ball longer and trying to push it downfield. So if you're trying to counter that with quicker passes, and that same goes for turnovers that – Every coach will cite, hey, when you turn the ball over, you usually lose the football game, unless it's the Vikings getting two turnovers the last couple of weeks, and then that doesn't Still happen. Losing. But, yeah. but nor- normally, though, normally. So every coach will cite that, and when you push it down the field and when you get aggressive, then you become turnover prone. Right. And so the only people who have ever found the right temperature are some of the greatest ever. You're Dan Marino's and Patrick Mahomes before this year and Aaron Rodgers and such that don't make big mistakes but also get big plays all the time. Um, this mix has never quite been found with Kirk Cousins unless you have their running game that's really setting up all of these situations to where teams have to put a lot of people up in the box. And the other thing that I've thought of, too, that maybe we haven't brought up because Irv Smith got hurt so early in the season is not playing the two tight ends. When you play two tight ends, yeah. the other team puts a linebacker on the field who's probably a special teamer, mm-hmm. right, in, in today's game. It's a game. mismatch. And it creates just a lot of more space, I think. There's a slower player on the field. There's mismatches there, and they expect run when you load up. And I think that like it's kind of a combination of of all of these things. I feel like we, we've been talking about Kirk this entire second segment. Uh, is the strategy for this Vikings team, let Kirk win it for you? Well, I think that this actually, uh, against Los Angeles specifically, I think this actually sets up to get the running game going because they're not a very good run Mm -hmm. defense. And uh, all respect to Linval Joseph, that defense as a whole is not particularly good run-wise. I don't think it can ever be that, but I think it also has to be hell or high water get the ball to Justin Jefferson. I mean, Mm -hmm. he just can't come back from Los Angeles with three targets or five targets. No. It just can't happen. And the same thing goes for Adam Thielen. Thielen. Yeah. Adam Thielen having two catches last week. Cannot happen. And again, uh, I'm not going to play Gary Kubiak and try to have all the answers for how this happens, but we know it needs to happen. And they know it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. You can see how frustrated the receivers are getting that they're not finding ways to get the ball. I don't think that two-yard bubble screens are the way to do it um, because – You know, I mean, that works every once in a while when it surprises the defense. But if you throw five of them in the game, you'll probably get them blown up a couple times. Uh, But I think that's where it it needs to start. Like, yes, they need to run more successfully. They're going to run the football. But if you can't find ways to get it to those guys and Tyler Conklin and Luke Stocker end up with more targets than Justin Jefferson Mm -hmm. and Thielen, it's just hard to win a football game that way. So before we get out of here for the day, 
we've talked a lot about the offense. What does the defense need to do to stop Justin Herbert? Yeah, I think and Austin Eckler and all that, all everyone yeah, else. Keenan Allen, <laughs> yeah, Mike, right. It, yeah, yeah. I think it's confusing. Uh, he's still a young quarterback, and this is something that has been a staple of Mike Zimmer. When he plays young quarterbacks, they often have a little bit of a surprise look in their eyes, and and this is what happened uh, with Wink Martindale's defense and the Ravens when they played the Chargers was. Herbert saw some things that he had never seen before. And these old school defensive guys, they know how to go back and find all sorts of different coverage mixes and blitzes and things like that. And I think that's the only way because Herbert is so physically gifted that if you give him time to throw or or he knows exactly what coverage it's going to be, he's going to pick you apart. But um, I think there is a chance that Mike Zimmer gets in Justin Herbert's head a little bit here. Um, We usually start. Every show with one thing that we like because this is sponsored by Pepsi and their branding is Pepsi. That's what I like. So I'll give 30 seconds to everyone to give their final thoughts about what they like about this matchup, starting with Tatum. I actually like the run game, the ability to establish the run game, as you mentioned earlier in this matchup. The Chargers, I think, are allowing six most yards for running backs right now. So Mm -hmm. I am ready to see whoever's in the backfield to just get let loose. And then obviously, (laughs) I think that will help establish the passing game in return. I see us walking away winners in this because this is a must-win situation. Uh, My joke answer is the battle between the kickers because these two (laughs) franchises have had some adventures with kickers. I really think it's what we just talked about with Herbert versus Zimmer. Mm -hmm. I think uh, that matchup, just like we see great quarterbacks like Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers versus Mike Zimmer's defense, uh, that could be a, a great um, you're throwing everything X's and O's wise at him, and he's physically trying to make some special plays. So I think that's that that's a thing I really like about this matchup. Um, well, one thing that I like is a challenge, and I know this LA Chargers defense when it comes to the pass game, they are really really good. So can we throw the ball on them? They've only mm-hmm. give up 187 yards a game. Can we take some shots? Can we make some plays? Can we attack their secondary? They're kind of depleted in the secondary. Not sure if Sante Samuel Jr. will be back. But if he is, he's still a rookie going against a veteran and then Justin Jefferson. So how will we exploit that matchup? I like it. Personally, um, when you look at these two teams, the team that likes to, I mean, we, we throw the ball a lot more than what we are used to. 60, 60% of the time we're throwing the ball. So can we do that effectively against a defense that likes to stop the pass? And um, that will be my my thing this week. I also think whoever wins the third quarter, this mm-hmm. week will win the game. Uh, they're getting outscored 62 to 23 in the third quarter. We have only scored 13 points in the third quarter all season. So whoever wins that will win this upcoming game. So a lot to like about this upcoming matchup against the L.A. Chargers. Kyler, always a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tatum, as always, we'll see you next week. We'll have you on next week. And Jay, thank you for producing this show. Always a pleasure. Vikings fans, thank you for tuning in to another edition of Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. Pepsi, that's what I like. Talk to you guys next week.